0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, I'm James and welcome to The Australian Opinion on Formula 1, here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about why you should watch Formula 1 in 2023. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, the OG Thomas J. Camp. G'day, Mace. Hello, mate. Hello, listeners. How are we? Uh, very good. Um, look it's it's been a it's been a great week. Uh, we uh, we've in-person recording last week. We had Laura Winter's brilliant chat with Freya come out. Now we're kind of getting into the swing of things, Campy. Ahead of the start of the season, we're very close. Only a couple of weeks away to starting the Formula 1 season. And what we thought would be great, dear listener, wherever you're listening, um, if this is your first time listening, welcome. It's great to have you. If you've been listening for the 165 episodes that we've done beforehand, mind-blowing, can I just say, Campy, that we've done that many since 2019. And it's going to be a ridiculous number more, considering we're doing up to seven during race weeks. As 22 times seven is...
1: do you think I've improved 165
0: <laughs> basis points for how shit I am at If you think Campy's improved 165 <laughs> basis points, uh, please write in to us at uh, hello lakeside drive.com.au. Uh. The, the, the tips that you think or go, if you have a memory of the things that you have loved about Campy and he doesn't do that anymore, good or bad, let me know. That'd be great. Uh, we thought that we'd do this episode so that fans of the show Yes. If your friends or family maybe are a little bit interested in Formula 1 or maybe question why you watch Formula 1 so much, you can send them this link to this podcast so that we can have a bit of a chat about F1 at a top line level, straight out of the back of um, Drive to Survive coming up. And after the many seasons, their fifth season this year as well, like us, just absolutely ridiculous so that we can all join together and build this community of Formula 1 fans, can we? Yep. all right. So let's start at the very beginning cool. of what is Formula 1?
1: Oh, it's basically just a dude in an open wheeled car <laughs> racing on tracks around the world. And um, in essence, that's what it is. But I can tell you, if I can give you my 30-second sales pitch on Formula 1, it is the pinnacle of man and machine uh, racing Racing at the highest speeds and the, and the and the best braking you've ever seen into corners, we see cars going three hundred kilometres an hour, braking at eighty five metres into a blind corner and uh, and and going around it. The g forces that these guys experience are incredible. They are their reflex and reaction times are as good, if not better than and uh, jet fighter pilots. This really is the pinnacle of every sport. These cars, maybe not the fastest, but they could be the fastest if you tore everything off them. They they are the fastest accelerating. They they can stop on a dime like no other car. Every attribute of this car is the pinnacle and it is just man versus machine and it is incredible
0: to watch. We talk about the pinnacle of motorsport in Formula 1 and that's not to say that it's – necessarily the best motorsport there are other fab, like bloody fantastic things to watch yeah. but as you say campy from a machine point of view you have people who have aeronautical engineering degrees who either go to work at nasa or you know, space agency or formula one <laughs> this, you know it's just mind-blowing the way you know and it's the inverse rather than flying you want to keep it sucked to the ground in many other respects too so there's incredible talent all the way through that side of a team. But then, of course, you've got the person in the cockpit too and the performance that they have to put out for effectively two hours on a Sunday through all those G-forces that you discussed is ridiculous. And one of my favourite videos, I think, is of Michael Italiano, who is a friend of the show. You can go back and listen to our chat that we did with him in 2021. It was a brilliant chat. Uh, training Daniel Ricciardo's neck—you yeah. know the yeah. the, um, the training device they put on—it's kind of like a rugby gear, like head head gear that and then effectively just pull, yanks on it. <laughs> right, right, on, mate. Just hold on, would you? Here we go. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> any popping noises would be Campy in my neck, um, <laughs> completely dislocating after something like that. But it is incredible, Campy, that the forces that go through, as you say, the car and, and these bodies of of these incredible drivers. Is phenomenal, so that's why we yeah. call it the pinnacle of motorsport. Yeah. Now, F one generally, there's at the moment there's ten Formula One teams, two cars for each team, um, and two drivers. There's a lead driver and a non lead driver, unless you're Fernando Alonso, in which you think Lance Stroll is a potential future world champion. Um, <laughs> Because apparently that's what he said this week. Oh, uh, what an idiot. Smile and wave, boys. Oh, I imagine Lawrence behind, you know, the camera his or something. He's boss's ass. Uh, the things people say for a Formula One drive. But historically, Campy, uh, and it's not so much anymore, but we've seen probably Lance Stroll is probably the last of it. We've seen it's not always the twentieth 20 fastest, wow, well, I can't even speak English, 20 fastest, drivers on the grid. Sometimes there's been pay drivers coming into the sport. Why is that? Why is?
1: Don't Formula- ask me questions while I'm trying to sell this sport to people. It'll <laughs> no, make me cynical.
0: But why Why is Formula One so expensive then? Because that, that's what I'm trying to get to. There's a whole bunch oh. of money, isn't it, involved with this because you've got teams like Mercedes have got a thousand people. I know there's budget caps now yep. too. So maybe talk a little bit about budget caps and what that tries to do now maybe compared to what used to happen.
1: Yeah, so these teams have... The initial investment into a team like Mercedes to buy all the infrastructure and and the, and the technology they use to test their wings and mm. test the arrows and all that sort of stuff. It's about a one point five billion dollar investment for the factories. But then you got your staff, and they got about oh they had fifteen hundred staff. I'm not sure what they are now, but I mean to run an organisation like that, and then to put a car on track, build the engines in house, get it all together. And then go around. There's a budget cap of $150 million. Now, driver salaries don't come into that. Team principal salaries don't come into that, et cetera, et cetera. But catering is in that budget, as we learned last year, too. So, <laughs> as
0: Red Bull now fully
1: knows. So, um, yeah so there's a 150 million dollar budget and the reason we brought in a cost cap was just to try and make it make the sport uh, more accessible for mm. new manufacturers and more people because the amount of money that has been spent at times on winning world championships is 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 absolutely astronomical and when you think about the money that goes into the sport and the cars and the drivers when you know that's all they're doing is racing a car around a track. When you know some of the issues we got globally, I mean, I think it's a good thing that we put a price cap on it. It makes it a bit more accessible if ticket sales stay that way too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and look, part of, part of why Formula One is so big at the moment, I think now is a good opportunity to talk about drive to survive. Yeah, uh, drive to survive. As I'm sure many of you listening have either watched or at least heard of, yep. is a Netflix series that is produced by a company called Box to Box Films. Yep. They've just released one on tennis. So, tennis. Um, very, very similar. And it was so successful in 2019 when it launched that pretty much every other sport in yep. the world tried to copy what Formula One had done with Box to Box and yep. Drive to Survive. Now, one of the things I think, Campy, that really opened people's interests or piqued people's interests, I should say, is how much drama there is off off the track. Now, people say, oh, it's all put on, but there is actually quite a lot. There there wasn't anything fabricated in Drive to Survive. It's, It's filmed and maybe Will Buxton or Christian Horner, has a slight pause and an emphasis on certain things, but the fact of the matter is what was happening was happening.
1: Well, I just gave you my 30-second sales speech on how good F1 is. I didn't even mention the drivers and the personalities on the grid, Yeah, the politics that goes on in this sport, the background between the FIA and Liberty Media, the ownership of you know who owns F1 to put the races on track and the governing body. We're, we're talking about names like Ferrari who have been in the sport, who have created the sport and 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 done things for it that no ever no manufacturer could even eclipse. Yeah. And they hold veto power and voting rights in this sport. And there's always off track stuff going on between personalities and team principles and you know, this is the biggest circus in the world. It is the epitome of the circus, and it travels around with about 2,500 people to every r- racing event. And there is so much that goes on in this sport that when you really care about it, you really try to absorb all of it because this is a sport, like anything, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And just sitting down and watching cars go around on a track for an hour and a half on a Friday practice might not that seem exciting, but if you've invested into the backstories mm. and the politics and some knowledge into it, the commentators talk about all that stuff while they're doing it too. Which is, oh look, we've we've got one, the one of the greatest sports in the world, and I, I don't think we would drive F one cars in heaven, but uh, it's <laughs> as close to rugby union as we can get, it, <laughs> in my opinion.
0: <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Let's start with driver and team principal conversations. Um, let's start at the back, technically cool. the back oh. of the grid, because we're going to go with Williams. Now, Williams has a brand new team principal this year yep. in James Vowles. Uh, James has come from Mercedes' absolute domination yep. for the better part of a decade. He's now leading the team after the departure of Jost Capito, who was the team principal last year. And they have two drivers, of course, like every team, Alexander Albon and Logan Sargent. Sergeant, an American boy. American boy, yeah.
1: This is – look, Williams fits into the category of an independent team, whereas they 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 design their own cars, but they, they, they are a customer team to a Mercedes engine and um, – Sorry, they're a customer team. They're not an independent. And they don't have a manufacturer backing, unlike yeah, – so we'll leave it there. Two drivers, Albon. Yeah. Had a had a good start to his career in uh, the Alpha Tauri. Got promoted to the big boy team because of uh, some poor Pierre Gasly <laughs> driving. Um, and it was really probably, I think, detrimental to his career. He wasn't mm. ready for the step up and he wasn't there. Un- Lucky for him in this sport, we've seen in the last five or six years that guys are getting second chances. So um, good for him. He's definitely a team leader, can drive the wheels off cars at times, probably lacks the consistency. But because he's in that back market team, we don't really get to see him uh, and all his best attributes on show all the time.
0: So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Logan Sargent, he's…
0: Uh, American boy, as you said. Yeah, uh, has has so many karting championships under yep. his belt. It is genuinely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he's sort of one of these highly touted youngsters that come through. Once he got went through the junior programs in F three and F two, he uh, he won an F three title, I believe. But F two never really put a whole season together. Showed glimpses of of pace and stuff, but I think from uh, not just to drive from a driving standpoint, I don't think he probably deserved the drive that, that he got. But in saying that, he brings marketability to a US market, which is craving for a US driver. Um, and, he, and he's done enough. And once you get your chance in this sport to prove yourself, it doesn't matter. We've seen what Guan Yu Zhou's done last year. Was he highly touted? Was he that? He bought a lot of money, but he got into the sport and he did bloody well against the teammates. So that's what Sargent's looking to do. He wants to solidify his spot for at least a couple of years and then hopefully move up in the picking order of, of Formula One teams over the next five years.
0: Let's talk about AlphaTauri. Uh, you mentioned that's where Albon started, uh, Yuki Sonoda and Nick DeVries are the two drivers there. Franz Tost, who has been team principal at Alpha for quite some time, still remains there. Yep. Sonoda now is the is not the rookie. He is, no. in effect, the team leader. However, he is paired alongside a world champion, an FIA world champion. It's Formula E, but it oh. is still technically an FIA world champion. In Nick DeVries, who in 2019 won the Formula 2 championship. Yep. Um, Wasn't able to... Wasn't successful in getting into Formula 1 for many reasons, like so many others, but now has finally ended up here. One of the reasons, Campy, it's probably fair to say why he ended up here is because of his reserve drive that he had last year. year. Yeah. Look, he...
1: Look, F1's one of those sports. There's only 20 people that get to be on the grid every year and uh, they really are the cream of the crop. We've seen over the trend has been in the last seven or eight years is to take kids really young. And, you know, we've seen 18-year-olds driving in this sport. Max Verstappen debuted at 17, didn't even go to F2, went straight straight out of F3 because they were so highly touted. So people miss out more often than they don't and this is a good story of when he won his F2 championship in 2019, just because of the reality of the grid and where it was solidified, um, you know, contracts in place, he didn't make it. So he went elsewhere and proved himself in Formula E. Not that that's a real racing category because <laughs> elect- <laughs> electric cars, it's not real car racing. It's a bit like electric rally. I don't really get it. But hey, moving on. He's one of these guys that's gone to another category and proved himself and matured over the two or three years that he was there and got his chance last year in the off chance that someone got, uh, I can't even remember why they missed the race, but he got in there and he took it. He grabbed it by the balls and he he made the most of his opportunity, which is why he got this drive in Alpha AlphaTauri this year. Hmm. Alpha AlphaTauri is owned by the Red Bull Corporation. Um, and it's it's supposedly a sister team to to Red Bull. So he's got a great – he is in the box seat to get a drive in the best car in the world in the next four to five years if he progresses the way he is. Um, Yuki Tsunoda, geez. He didn't even think he was going to get a second year in the car, let alone a third. But they – Red Bull, because of their own internal issues they were having with their driver junior program – meant that he got that second year. I think they just wanted a bit of consistency. And for the back end and for a large portion of last year, he made his teammate Pierre Gasly look average and he beat him consistently in qualifying and in races. I think over the course of the year that Pierre had, had had you know, won that battle, but at times he was second-rate behind him and I think Yuki's really showing his uh Showing what he can do in these cars, given
0: time in it. One of the things, of course, that uh, is going to benefit Yuki Tsunoda is that his trainer for this year is Michael Italiano. Yeah, and and I think. Now that Italiano's in in Alpha Tauri full time, that it will be just interesting to see how Yuki's mindset changes. And if you've watched Drive to Survive, you know Yuki Tsunoda does not like working out. He, he doesn't want it. He wants to eat and drive fast, and that's it. So I can relate. <laughs> I can't drive Formula One car, but I also want to eat. It's the Ricky Bobby of them. I want to go eat <laughs> and fast. Uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see in that respect. Oh, let's talk about Haas. Um, A title sponsor that is not an energy drink company, um, allegedly an energy drink company. That was a whole bizarre thing. Haas hasn't had a great time, but Gene Haas owns the team. Haas is a CNC CNC um, manufacturer. manufacturer. Yep. And Gunter Steiner, who of Netflix Drive to Survive fame, I can say to some of you listening because – Fox Smash Door is a meme that uh, has been going around recently too with, with the return of Magnus Kevin Magnuson and also Nico Hulkenberg. Now, this is an interesting team, Campy, because yeah. in the last couple of years before uh, we've seen pay drivers come in, young drivers come in, but this time Haas and Gwyneth has have gone with experience. Kevin Magnuson yeah. rejoining the team after being let go. Um, he rejoined at the beginning of last year went fifth for Haas, which is their best result, basically yep. since he did a similar thing, in, I think, in, in Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, and the return of Holkenback, yeah. Nico Hulkenberg, who had dismissed everything to do with Formula 1 last year, went, like, yeah, I did the reserve drive. Yep. He did some reserve drives to Aston Martin early in, yep. in the season. He's back. And so we've gone from a team of pay drivers and rookies to... Two very senior drivers in Formula 1 with a hell of a lot of experience.
1: Yeah, look, Kevin Magnussen on debut got a podium with McLaren. The guy's more than capable of driving an F1 car. Uh, I think at times he's made some dumb mistakes, but that's the reality of where he's driving in the pack. If he was up the front, he'd be getting the job done. Highly touted junior. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, super capable driver. Rich history in Formula 1. You know, highly touted as a youngster and his career didn't – he was one of those stories where his career didn't project on the path that he had right throughout his junior category. he won everything. Um, Had a couple of years out of Formula One, was left in no man's land, probably through no fault of his own other than lack of podiums and, uh, you know, he still hasn't had a podium. How many races have been? But it's good to see him back, I think, for Haas as an organisation this year. Um Going with the experience, I think they've been down that path, particularly with uh, Mick Schumacher and the Russian dude, whatever his name is, I can't remember now, it's been that long. Having that in their organisation was no good for them. If they yeah. want to make the gains that they are making, and Gene Haas has had success in every racing category in the rich mer- the rich history of his American racing team, has been amazing right throughout IndyCar, NASCAR, etc., all the little stuff they do as well. So I think they've finally got that uh got that team in the right direction. And Gunther had, I mean, what a legend. Gunther did wonders for the F-bomb, a bit like what Gordon Ramsay did when <laughs> he came, first came on the scene. So he was great on Drive to Survive yeah. because we always have this opinion about what these team principals should say publicly. And they are representing sports and brands that are bigger than them and they need to do the right thing. The best thing about Drive to Survive and to Steiner was he was saying all the same things we were thinking and saying on the podcast, which is what we wanted to hear. So uh, he's great for that. He's not only great for that organisation but for the sport as a whole. Yeah, and I would love to see that guy progress up the grid and hopefully run a Ferrari one day or, or maybe a Mercedes or
0: who knows he he's certainly personality to the point last year I was lucky enough to spend a very 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 minimal amount of time in the paddock um and a shout out to Sam Barker at F1, who I interviewed on the podcast during lockdown. So you can go back and find that episode too, um, who is an Aussie, uh, was doing the social media for V8 Supercars, now head of social media for um, for Formula One. But we were walking down towards that part of the grid where uh, the pit boxes for the V8 Supercars start from, from the F1 team. And Gunther was out between the hospitality unit and the back of the garage and the fans at the fence were going absolutely nuts. <laughs> there was Mick Schumacher. There was, uh, who else was around? There was another driver that Mick was talking to. So I can't really remember, but I remember there was Mick Schumacher and people were just completely blindsided in the drivers and only wanted Gunter's Diner. And I think that. that is a real indicator of the love, I think, and the passion that drive to survivors helped give us as fans, uh, yeah. to these teams. Let's talk about, um, Aston Martin, uh, Lance Stroll is the son of the owner, so that's all you need to know really about him. Mike Crack is the team principal, <laughs> yep. And Fernando Alonso, who yes. is a two-time world champion from the early 2000s, <laughs> yeah. is now on the grid in the uh, in the British Racing Green. It is a beautiful looking green, and yes. uh, and he's he joins he replaces Seb Vettel in in this team. And if you don't know what really happened last year in terms of the driver circus. Seb Vettel leaving Aston Martin is what started it off and Fernando Alonso announcing only two days later that he was taking Seb's seat, even though Alpine, his former team, had no idea that was happening, is what all sort of started the absolute ridiculousness. But let's talk about Aston Martin because Lance has. For some reason, Fernando Alonso has said that he is a potential future world champion, which is absolutely pleasing the boss, isn't it? Uh,
1: look, Lance Stroll, where do we start with that guy? <laughs> he's uh, as far as a billionaire, uh, great businessman, turned a lot of brands like Tommy Hilfiger from the bottom of the barrel into globally renowned names. Uh, I think he's got a... He's got a fashion. That's where he comes from, anyway. Very successful guy. Very successful family. Um, Lance Stroll is, you know, he look, look. We love to laugh at Lance Stroll because of how he got a drive in F one. He really didn't deserve to be there at the start of it. Um, his dad paid. I think it was thirty million pound a year to get him a drive in Williams. Also, forked out massive amounts of money to get him testing in old F one cars to get up to it. And he really wasn't up to speed for the first nine months of his career. But after that, given time in these cars, um, I'm not. He's had some good results at times. He's got a couple of podiums. He's got a couple of poles. Uh, he led one race in the rain. For you know, if it wasn't for tyre strategy, he would have got on, gone on and won it. So, um, you know, shows glimpses of what he can do. Um, did he deserve to be there at the start? No, but he's established himself. And while his dad owns that owns that team, he will be on the grid for as long as necessary and they see fit. So, Fernando, he's the uh, he's probably the driver of our generation, really of maybe not this one, Max Verstappen's probably the best driver we've probably ever seen, although it's hard to compare errors. But Fernando Alonso was that from, you know, in the junior categories from 2000. Unfortunately for him, he's played politics of the sport quite badly at some times. He's moved to teams at all the wrong times, and it seems like every, de- <laughs> every decision has <laughs> so ever made has been wrong. Um, went to Ferrari, and, and Ferrari got smashed by a Red Bull-dominated era. But some of the drives this guy puts in in machinery that is not on par with the best is is incredible. He will make a right decision at some stage, and yep. I would hope for him that he makes that. That's that's this time this year. Hang on there, mate. That's a great segue into our NordVPN sponsorship spot.
0: Let's get back to our chat in a moment because we just need to talk about, and I said this last week, your browsing history is interesting, but the good news is that NordVPN, who is sponsoring this episode, are having their birthday celebrations. It's their 11th birthday, uh, and you can win some rewards if you sign up using the code LakesideDrive at checkout or going to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive and that is there is a whole bunch of rewards that you can win some free months a whole bunch of other stuff so i gotta go to that website to check it out but we were talking last week about how important privacy is one of the things that is very interesting to me is being able to change my location to be able to watch something so i didn't know for example campy that youtube in the u.s has a specific podcasts threads like Google Podcasts kind of doesn't exist yeah. anymore in Australia here it doesn't so in order to investigate what that was and to see if we were on it <laughs> I think we are <laughs> 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 I, you went under NordVPN and changed my location from Australia to the US and it automatically opened up a whole bunch of content which is just bloody awesome to be able to do that it's, uh, it's
1: great for privacy in the world but I've got a tinfoil beanie on all the time a bit of a prepper as well I'm building a bunker at the moment so privacy for me is key and look it's a really easy product to use too so get on there and use that uh, use that What are we getting? A discount? That's two years for whatever it
0: is. But it's a birthday celebration. So there's a whole range of different things. So who knows exactly what it is you're going to get because it's part of the surprise for you as well. Um, And look, it's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, you can just pretend like it never happened. NordVPN.com forward slash Lakeside Drive is the code to use. The link is also in the description. Cappy, let's get back to it. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo Sauber. Uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber will become Audi in 2026, 2026, and that's important to note. They have a new CEO for this season, and Andreas Seidel comes from McLaren as their team principal. Um, Now, this is a bit of an interesting one, just to talk about the team principal at the moment because – Although Seidel is the CEO, Alfa Romeo are without, technically without a team principal for this year. Okay. Alessandro Aluni Bravi is the team representative. He's been at Sauber for a while. Um, he's a lawyer by trade. So he's a team representative from F1's point of view. But it's probably safe to say, Campy, that we would see uh, Seidel on the ground at as many races as possible. He is yep. an excellent team principal, very good at gripping things together, has a history with the Volkswagen Auto Group, which is why he made that move, Audi yeah. have have wanted him um, and why Sauber definitely wanted to draft him. But the two drivers for this year uh, in his second year of racing is Zhou Guan Yu, a uh, Chinese driver who, who really impressed us both last yep. year, I think it's safe to say, and who I'm just going to start calling an Australian in the same yeah. way that we call Russell Crowe an Australian, Valtteri yeah. Bottas.
1: Oh, if you are not across Valtteri Bottas' social media, I don't have social media, but our group text and our group chat is all about Valtteri Bottas and what he's done this year. He's embraced our Aussie culture. In a way that I don't think we've ever seen before. He's got an Australian girlfriend, Tiffany Cromwell, who's a
0: BMX racer, so. No, she's not a BMX racer. She's a road bike racer. (laughs) Pabby only knows one type of of bicycle, and that's BMX. I thought she came from BMX. Oh, she's road racing now. Oh, right. She's one of the best athletes this country's ever seen. Anyway. anyway, BMX race.
1: uh, I thought she was BMX or something. Oh, mate. (laughs) <laughs> Put my foot Everyone's an BMX one.
0: racer at one point in their lives. <laughs> anyway, imagine, yes.
1: Anyway, Valtteri Bottas is is our he's our token Aussie for the and has been for a long time. Yeah. Uh, he was very highly touted. He raced, you know, unfortunately for him, he raced Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes for five years and didn't get the job done in the top team, But very, very, very wily old fox can get it done. Um, and great for an organisation as well. And Absolutely, established himself in the sport, got great results, and uh, was was a really good number two driver for that Mercedes organisation. He's dropped back and um, to, uh, to Alfa Romeo last year, and uh, he had a pretty good year. But that sometimes the car, yeah, doesn't let them show their full potential. Yeah, so
0: it'll be interesting to see how things go for him. There'd be no reason I would suggest for him to leave the team when no. it becomes Audi. Pardon me, when you have that level of investment from a manufacturer, they're going to make their own power units, all that kind yep. of stuff. Wouldn't it be funny that he actually does become a world champion in a team that, you know, he? it was a step back for him, wasn't it? George Russell took his seat last year uh, as a step forward. It just would be very fun. Yeah. We don't know. No, who knows what who happens knows. in the future? But Valtteri Bottas, from an Australian point of view, he is someone that I am absolutely barraging for this year. What an absolute legend. Uh, I'm very excited to see what they do. Let's talk about McLaren now because the actual Australian, Oscar Piastri, Formula 2 champion, Formula 3 champion, Euro Formula 4 champion, champion in a lot of other respects, uh, is joining the Woking squad. He replaces Daniel Ricciardo. Just a note. Oscar Piastri did not kick out Daniel Ricciardo. It was, as I mentioned just before, Seb Vettel leaving Aston Martin where Fernando Alonso was driving for Alpine back then caused this whole thing to come out. And if anything, uh, Alpine is to blame. Um, But as I mentioned before with Alfa Romeo, uh, Andreas Seidel, is stepped out of the team principal role at McLaren and has gone to Alfa Romeo, that means that they have promoted internally. Andreas Stella is now the team principal of McLaren and, of course, their number one driver in Lando Norris, who is incredibly quick in that car, has, yep. can't be argued, is no. is their other driver. So, Oscar Piastri, Lando Norris, two young drivers, Campy and a, and a new team principal. It's going to be interesting to see how they go. But, of course, there's a lot of Australian angst towards how they're feeling because of Daniel Ricciardo's departure. But to be positive about Oscar coming in, it's a good thing.
1: Look, Oscar's done things that only I think one other driver's done winning that Euro Formula 4, F3, F2 on the trot. And when he stepped up in all these categories, he's been as quick as everybody else, if not quicker, and got the job done. And his rise to Formula 1 has really... Got Australian fans, particularly us, and the world. He's put him on notice and said, "I am here." He, uh, he. At times, he doesn't look like he's the fastest on the grid, but he's he's so nice on the car, and he drives like an a an or a Prost, and mm. you know, just mm. got a beautiful driving style. Yeah, and uh, unlike a Fernando, who just gives that car so much shit that they need to replace everything at the end of it. <laughs> You know, Oscar, and you know, that bodes well for this year's World Championship. He's yep. got, uh, he's got no pressure on him to perform in a massive way this year. I think it might take him. He'll be, he'll be on the pace straight away. Don't worry about that. Yep. But uh, you know, he won't be under any pressure to beat his teammate convincingly or anything like that. Lando Norris, well, I'm still not sold on him, but he's proved himself. in in this McLaren car. It's the only car he's ever driven in Formula 1. And from all accounts, it's a dog to drive. Mm. It's unlike anything else. So I would hope that Oscar has the same experience as Lando has, that uh, Lando's the number one driver and in the box seat to take one of the top three drives if a position opens up.
0: Alpine as an F1 team, they are the sports car version of Renault. And for this year, they have an all-French driver lineup. Uh, Esteban Ocon, who has been at the Outfit for a while now, is joined by Pierre Gasly, Campy's (laughs) favorite driver to hang shit on, to be perfectly honest, and team principal Otmar Safnau, who um, didn't know what Fernando Alonso was doing last year as a team (laughs) principal. So that was an interesting time. But... We've brought two Frenchmen together who, very famously in We're recent years, growing up, are not good friends anymore. Yeah, uh, but by all accounts, there's uh, sort of bridges have been mended, I suppose. And I'm not sure who to. I'm not sure. I'm
1: not sure I've got anything good to say to either of these drivers, but um,
0: it's going to be an interesting time. Let's just say that because it's going to be
1: one to watch because this could be, this could be the, the off-track drama that no one really wants to talk about or watch, but everyone secretly behind closed doors is right involved in it. And, It'll be and the level of
0: Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg in terms yeah, of tension. Absolutely. I think that's probably the team. If, if they haven't sorted it out, because they'll both want to be number one drivers. Yep. Uh, they've both got wins. <laughs> interestingly enough. Uh, and f- through n- not necessarily being the fastest car on the grid, uh, but that's what happens in Formula One. So, Alpine are the fourth
1: best car on the grid from last year, so yep. um, you know they've got some guts in that machinery to get results too. So they'll be both vying for it. I'm interesting to see what happens.
0: Toto Wolff is, of course, leading Mercedes uh, with George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Very little, I think, needs to be said about these last three teams. Um, The absolute big three. epicness of Toto Wolff is phenomenal. He is a brilliant leader. Of course, if you've watched Drive to Survive, you'll know him as the Austrian who loves a bit of pumpernickel bread. Um, and Lewis Hamilton, of course, his an inc- name speaks incredible for talent uh, and fought incredibly hard last year uh, to try and get a victory. He wasn't able to, but his teammate George Russell did in a yep. car that probably didn't have much right being as, as fast as it was towards that half of the year considering the pace of Red Bull and at least the beginning pace of Ferrari in the year. So the team be they finished third in the World Drivers, ch- in the, sorry, in the Constructors Championship last year. They're going to be wanting to push ahead now yep. to really claw in Red Bull. There's going to be a team to watch I think for the
1: championship yeah. fight. Look, we came off seven years since 2014 2021 of absolute domination for this organisation. Nothing we've seen. Nothing like it in F1 before, how good they were. And uh, they started on the back foot last year, but mid-season they picked it up, 10 or 11 races, and they were right back in it. I think Lewis should have won Zandvoort last year. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But George Russell, too, he's one of these young guys and held his own against Lewis. I don't think Lewis will have the same year that he had last year. I think he'll be competing for race wins. And if Mercedes put a car on track that's that's, you know, that that's got a sniff, Lewis is the man to get the job done. So incredible organization, powerhouse, and uh geez, we're in for a good year if if they've got it together.
0: The Ferrari squad started incredibly strong last year. They come second in the Constructors' Championship to this year with a brand-new team principal. Mattia Bonotto is gone. If you want to listen to our thoughts, we've spoke a little bit about that last week, so go back and listen to that episode. But we've got Fred Vasseur alongside Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, two incredible talented drivers to Campy.
1: Yeah, yeah, the team that we love to hate, love to laugh at. You cannot deny what Ferrari historically has done for this sport. And without Ferrari in our sport, the sport would be a lesser spectacle without them. So, uh, yeah, they're they're a crazy team. They come with all the Italian flair and they want it to be everything. If they just concentrate on the on-track stuff, I think they'll pull it together. But a highly politicized team, and it it brings up – brings up issues for them all the time when it relates to personnel and team principles and uh, look I think they've got the driver lineup. they just need to put a car on track that's good so we spoke about the three things that make you know a Formula 1 a team when Ferrari gets this right it will be amazing but unfortunately we haven't seen it since 2007 and uh, Kimi Reichen and post that Michael Schumacher era so we want them to do well but Jeez, they're an easy organisation to laugh at at times.
0: And the final team, of course, are champions from last year who just absolutely drove into the summer with the championship with one Max Verstappen, (laughs) uh, Sergio Perez, Christian Horner, the team principal, and third driver in Danny Rick, of course. It's good to, to mention him. Red Bull are on a bit of a high, but... Campy for this year, they have reduced wind testing time, wind tunnel testing time because of an overspend of a budget cap. Yep. Um, And the budget cap with catering, apparently, that wasn't really realised anyway. Christian Horner has said that it's going to potentially adversely affect them. But considering the pace of last year's car, maybe you're not believing him too much.
1: (laughs) Red Bull won 17 out of 21 races last year. Ferrari winning the other three the other three races off the back of a really slow start for Red Bull and and George Russell won one. So Max Verstappen is as good as we have ever seen driving this car, whether his career meets meets the heights and the results of someone like a Lewis Hamilton going on to win seven and a Michael Schumacher, eight championships. He's got the talent. He's got the machinery under him at the moment. And he is as ruthless as they come when it comes to racing. We've seen a bit more of his personality come out in the last few years. He's I think he's I think he's very settled in his own skin. But by God, when he puts that visor down, it is a different beast behind that wheel. Uh, and I think you're going to win this world championship this year again. The world championship.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that before we wrap this one up. There are 23 rounds. Do you
1: want to talk I, about Checo? I three? said,
0: oh, Checo, Sergio Perez. Whoops. Uh, let's talk about Sergio Perez.
1: <laughs> Tommy T's been getting selfies with him all well, over Mexico.
0: We uh, Tommy T sent me a message only a couple of days ago of him at McDonald's in uh, Mexico and Checo there with a the Big Mac as well. Not – with him literally just promotional advertising of Sergio Perez and McDonald's mm-hmm. uh, in Mexico, which is fantastic. But Checo has, has done enough, I think, uh, to hold this position. There's a lot of conversation, rightly so. Of course, there should be because our boy Danny Rick is now in the frame about oh, what's going to happen. Even Laura Winter said her prediction. For this year, the, the crazy prediction was that Danny Rick would replace Sergio Perez halfway through the season. Um, love that. Happy for that to happen, of course. Yep. But Sergio Perez is a solid, we would say, a solid B-tier driver, a second driver. Yeah.
1: Shows glimpses. Had some great drives in his uh, his his career at, um, at Racing Point slash Force India slash whatever it was, you know, and really – really the results that he got demanded that he got that Red Bull sport order and opened it up probably hasn't performed the way he would have liked to but he's got race wins and and he seems to be when he puts it together he can get the job done but his teammates just way too good for him in my opinion and uh Hopefully that seat opens up for Danny Rick at some stage. That would be amazing.
0: Well, uh, he's going to be uh, the third driver, which means he's not the reserve driver. Liam Lawson, uh, an outstanding Kiwi driver, uh, is their reserve driver. So he'll be travelling to every single race for the year. And I don't blame Danny Rick for not wanting to travel to all 23 say, races. That would
1: be a absolutely dick move for Red Bull. To not put Danny Rick in that race seat if something happened to Checo. Or well, Max. he'd have
0: to be at the round. He will be there regardless if that seat opens Let's up. Let's have a look at the calendar. So I keep saying it's twenty two. There's not twenty three rounds instead of twenty four. We start off in bah- Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, here in Australia for round three. Then there's a bit of a gap because China has uh, has been removed from the calendar, which means we got a Azerbaijan for round four. Then the U.S. in Miami for round five. Round six is in um, – <laughs> Can this is – I love this. The Formula One Grand Premio del Made in Italy del Emilia-Romagna 2023 Grand Prix, Ooh, uh, always known as Imola. Monaco uh, for round seven. Round eight is Barcelona. Round nine, Canada. Uh, we go to Austria, Great Britain, Hungary, Belgium, Netherlands. We then go back to Italy for Monza in September for round that's, 15. Can I
1: just say, that's the sweet spot of the season. And Once we, we g- get that European start at uh, at the Red Bull Ring right through to about uh, to Monza, that is the pinnacle of the season in my opinion.
0: Well, then we get two extra pinnacle races in Singapore, round 16, and then Japan, round 17. Yep. Then we go to Qatar. Yeah. Uh, the U S for the uh, for Coda for Coda. Thank you. Uh, We go to Mexico for uh, round 20. Then we go to Brazil and then we go to Vegas uh, for a Saturday race round 22. The second last round before the finale in Abu Dhabi. So listener, if you have been sent this podcast by a friend to sort of have a bit of an understanding about what Formula One does this year, there's a hell of a lot of races. Um, And the good news is we are going to be creating a whole bunch of content to help keep you up to date. Uh, We know here in Australia that most of those races are a ridiculous time zone to watch. So what you'll find is a full team by team analysis for our race review. Tommy T who hasn't joined us this year yet on the podcast, considering he's been away. Uh, Campy myself will go through a full race Review episode, team by team. We talk about every single driver and then you'll hear all kinds of content through the week to keep you up to date. So uh, that's it for this episode. Campy, thank you so much for talking uh, about what to expect for for F1 in 2023 and why you should watch it. It's a brilliant sport, isn't it? It 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 can drag on, but it is a brilliant sport. Yeah,
1: and there's so much of this stuff that happens off track which dictates the way you perceive it on track. Sometimes we get races that are just boring, but there's so much in this sport to participate in and get involved in. If you're new to it, that's great. This is why we did this episode. Brief outline of of what to expect and what's to come. But I'll tell you what, the more you put in, the more you'll get out of this sport. And it is one hell of a ride for a whole season. It's easy to get cynical, but we're positive here at, <laughs> and, uh, at Lakeside Hard Drive, so
0: <laughs>
1: you might hear me ranting a few times as well, but... We'll get there.
0: It is a pleasure to have you join us for this episode. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed it uh, and you're new, please consider subscribing to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Um, Campy, there are some pretty special episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks, which I'm not going to tell you about because it's going to be a surprise for you as much as a surprise to everybody else. Uh, It's got some... uh, Yeah, it's going to be some good chats. Some good chats, hopefully. If if I... No, if I... (laughs) If I manage to get this one of these particular chats uh, confirmed, then my goodness, you will all have a bloody brilliant time. But that's all to come. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you do want to get involved, like Campy said, uh, specifically with this podcast, you can get involved on our Discord server. Uh, the link to that is in the description and the show notes below. Uh, and it's just a great community of people. We uh, It's a great place to, to chat with the, the four of us as well in Freya, Tommy T, Campy and myself. Uh, but that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on the Lakeside Drive. See you, Campy. See you, mate.
1: You can also make jokes to me about seeing me at Hobbiton if you'd
0: like. Yes, great! I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. With my hobbit feet. G'day, I'm. J- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> why would you say that just before <laughs> I'm
1: about
0: to start? Uh Sports Social Podcast Network